Time now for another episode of Pats from the Past podcast. Matt Smith alongside Brian Morey. And we are more than pleased today to be joined by one of the true greats from NFL Films, their vice president and senior coordinating producer, Ken Rogers, who um, you may know as from behind the scenes, is an integral part of Films' um, historical component and is producing such gems as Hard Knocks. And I had the pleasure, or misfortune probably from Ken's perspective, of joining him and helping out with Three Games to Glory many, many moons ago. That's where I got a chance to meet Ken. So full disclosure, I have had the privilege of being able to sort of... Um, Is that Three Games to Glory 1 or 6? 3 at oh. the time, and we've been involved in the others since. So I've had a chance to sort of tug on Superman's cape and grab onto the coattails of Ken Rogers for many years. Ken, thank you so much for joining us for being here today. It's a true honor. Uh, I thank you for having me. I wanted to win the Super Bowl as a wild card team so we could do four games to glory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> can I tell you something? I've always Film- thought of that. <laughs> Films would have the material, and we would make sure that we would do our best to try to buffer or try to uh, enhance whatever great stuff Films would have. Can Question I think- is, have you, have you copyrighted four games to glory like you have three games to glory? I believe so is the answer. I believe <laughs> I so. so. I, I would imagine the crafts are way ahead of the game. Yeah. That, yep. They're quite good at that as well as many other things. Um, yes. Kenny, I think people would be interested to know, um, and I think uh, people know who you are, maybe don't know necessarily your story. How did you get started at Films? So I was working in Los Angeles. Um, I I had gone to film school out there, originally from New Jersey, and I had no thought of working in sports. Uh, To be honest, not a a huge sports fan. Uh, I was a film geek. Uh, I I loved filmmaking, and and what I did as a kid was just watch movies. Um, I grew up in the era where HBO and, and those type of pay channels had just come out and MTV, of course, and to me was like, were, were like little movies, these videos. So I wanted to be a filmmaker. I was trying to make it in Los Angeles. And I visited a friend who was working at NFL Films when I came home for Christmas, one one Christmas. And um, this was the uh, Christmas of 2000, right before the, the, uh, the changeover. And um, I... I went to NFL films to meet him and went to the restroom when I was, uh, when I arrived. And as I walked out of the restroom, I literally opened the door and it, it opened into Steve Sable and I almost knocked him over. And I sort of knew who Steve Sable was. I had wrecked, you know, okay, that's that guy. I think he's been on TV but again. I wasn't a big sports fan. Um, uh, and my friend introduced us and Steve started asking me, Oh, what are you doing out in LA? And it turns out if there's one thing he loves equally uh, to football, it was, it was films. And we just started talking about filmmaking and we just started talking about our favorite films. And at the time I was working uh, as an assistant to a lawyer at Hans Zimmer's composing studio. Wow. And, and he had just done gladiator and so we started talking about about gladiator movies, uh, you know, which uh, let led us to, you know, all kinds of historical recreation movies and Ben Hur, and you know, we just started talking. And after ten minutes, he he stopped and he said, "You should apply here. You should work here." And you know, there's a lot of interns and and kids will ask me, you know how can I work at NFL films? I say, look, all I know is, is how I ended up working at NFL films. I had the perfect amount of full bladder that it timed out perfectly that I opened the door onto Steve Sable. And that's how life is. You just, I have no idea how it happened because I ended up applying and he became a, a great friend and mentor and um, it turned out that making football movies fit my personality and who I am better than probably anything I would have found in Los Angeles. What an unbelievable story. I mean, when you talk to people, kids, as you said, interns, hey, how do I get into a job? You opened the bathroom door 
onto the founder of NFL Films, and the rest for Ken Rogers and his family is history. I mean, that really is, you talk about making the most of a 10-minute situation, which I was going to ask you, what is your favorite film? Oh, geez. Um, <clears throat> oh, gosh. I'm, I'm talking about, it, you know, your L.A. career. I want to make the next great um, Oscar-winning drama. You know, so what is your favorite film? God, it, you know, it changes all the time, uh, obviously, because there's so many. Uh, but the film I've been thinking about a lot right now is, is called The Bad and the Beautiful, um, which is a, a, a great um old film about the the film industry actually um and i've i've been thinking about it a lot recently uh because there's a great line in it where a producer is yelling at a director that they don't know uh what they're doing in the scene um and the director says to the producer you know what you have to do to get this scene exactly the way you want it you have to direct it yourself because the director just can't stand the producer uh, looking over his shoulder. And it reminded me how our culture at NFL films is the exact opposite that we are, we are given such freedom to make our stories the way we want to tell them. Um, and when I grew up watching those, mo those Hollywood movies about Hollywood, you know, I always thought I want I wanted the power. I wanted to be the Hollywood producer, like the, the producer um, in Bad and the Beautiful. Um, and I, I found out that being in a company where there is no power structure, that Steve Sable saw me as a as an equal, and I now really try to see everyone from the lowest person on the ladder all the way up to you know my boss's boss as equals that's how that's how i want to work and that's how i think the best films are made and there's a lot of trust for everybody in the business um in, in our company and i've been thinking about that film a lot and it's become one of my favorites in, in recent months so as a parent then and I, i'm sure you're going to tell me that this is cliched which is fine but um did you think I did a solid job parenting where I sat down with – so I have 19-year-old twins that I think you know. I sat down with my son last week, and we watched The Godfather Part 1, which would be my yeah. favorite movie. Is that good yeah. parenting or poor parenting from your perspective? Well, it's poor if it's the first time you've done that. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. I don't even know if I could get my kids to sit down and watch it. Uh Dad, oh, this, Dad, I mean, this is three hours. I mean, you got you know you got to do that by age eight. Okay, you, know, you got to sit them down for. Then I have failed. Godfather yeah. trilogy. So, okay. <laughs> um, that's a fair shout, but so I'm a little late to the game because he um, was told by his friends at his first semester of college that Goodfellas was the best film. We watched Goodfellas. I also love Goodfellas, it, but loved it. And I said, now as great as Goodfellas is, let's watch What's the real great? McCoy. Let's yeah. watch the real McCoy. So now he wants to see two and three. Well, look, that's the thing. Like I, I can never judge my favorite film. I, I, it's, it's, it's impossible. I, I have a Godfather I, I, question I, though. <laughs> whatever week it is, right? Kenny Godfather's a Godfather's a better film than the bad and the beautiful. But right now, if I had to watch one, I love the bad okay. and the beautiful. Good my answer. favorite film right now. But you so, know? so I want your opinion on this then Godfather part, part three. Is it is it bad compared to one and two or bad? Um, I think it's it's too maligned for uh, it's over maligned for what it is. It's it's bad compared to one and two, but I agree. it is not as bad as people I think prefer to remember it because it's fun to to bash uh, failures. I mean that's that's what American culture does. We raise we raise, speaking of the Patriots, we raise heroes up and then uh, there are parts of society that just love to see them fail. And you can see that across NFL fandom, um, you know, in 2001, the, uh, the, the country loved the Patriots and every fans of every fan base across the country couldn't wait. God, the Patriots, I hope they win. Um, and the the heroes certainly uh become the people you want to see fail and that, that 
that becomes the case in, in all of culture. And um, I think movie franchises are the same way. People, uh, they've had enough success. Like, a, oh, yes, the third one sucked. And, and you, you hate watch it. And you, yeah, it sucked. That's right, it sucked. You know, like we love people to, to, succeed and then we as a so culture as america down. oh yeah no we love to tear them down we're, we're terrible we're it, terrible people it's funny because after that 2001 super bowl i was having a phone conversation that offseason with tom brady's father and we were talking about his contract situation and whatnot and because i was working for patriots football weekly at the time and he uh he couldn't believe that like people were being so critical of brady in the media and i said Oh, Mr. Brady, you got to understand, they build you up so they can tear you down. <laughs> little little did I know that uh, he would reach a point where it's really tough to tear him down. But back at that point, he was certainly, uh, with just one Super Bowl, you know, a, a oh. mere mortal. So, Kenny, if, oh, you, if you started in 2000, so you literally were in on the ground floor on this. So, uh, Oh, what, I mean, what, you don't even know. I mean, let me, let me tell you the, the, the happenstance. So the happenstance of of running in the Steve Sable then compounds by the fact that uh, I'm brand new and my first season is the 2001 season and I start the season and I'm, well, you know, I'm so green. I've never made football movies. I, I don't know that much about football. And um, after 9-11, a, a, a wonderful producer at NFL Films, Suzanne Morgan, uh, had been making the Patriots highlight films for for years, um, and she had decided after nine eleven, you know, I I want to work part time and I want to spend more time with my with my daughters. And like a lot of people, it was quite um, you know quite the life changing event for her. And and so she switched to to more part time work. So. Um, as the newcomer, Steve Sable came to me and said, listen, um, every team gets assigned a producer to follow the team all season long and um, do their highlight film at the end of the season. Uh, and Suzanne Morgan has given up her team um, and we're going to give you a highlight film. But since you're new, I'm sorry you're getting the worst team in the league, the 2001 Patriots. <laughs> and I thought, oh, crap, my career's done before I started. I got this team? You know, I, I read all the previews. Uh, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so literally my first Patriots game that I watched was against the Jets uh, in week two because I have to start really paying attention. This is the team I'm going to be, be telling stories about. And I say, well, you know, I don't have much with this team, but I got I got a quarterback, you know, I got a good quarterback, Drew Bledsoe. Oh, Bledsoe's down, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, geez. And that was the start of my, you know, NFL films career. And I got to do the highlight film that year of a Super Bowl team. And that caught caught the eye of Steve Sable even more. And I did, a, uh, I guess, a, a pretty good job, I, I guess. And, um, you know, I, I got to work my way up. And I, I owe, as much as I owe Steve, I, I owe Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and that 01 team. You know, like I, I, I maybe wouldn't have caught the eye of Steve and worked my way up the ladder if I – wouldn't have caught on with the New England Patriots in 2001. So everything I've achieved uh, is full of happenstance. Well, I tell you what, I mean, there's a long list, including the two people who are sitting here talking with you, who they owe their careers to those three people. And they've, they've, they've employed a lot of people and a lot of families have been, um, have had a, have had a living made because of those three people. You forgot one, and I'm interested in this one, have you had a subsequent conversation with Suzanne Morgan about the happenstance? And you said, Hey, um, wow. How was, how did fate work out here? And did she say to you, I'm really happy with my family. Congratulations on riding the Patriots train for the last two decades. You know, what's interesting is we had that talk 
um, after uh, 2004. <clears throat> and it was like, can you believe, you know, this turned out? And, and I'm sure as you as you've experienced too, and anyone who's been on this ride, at the end of 2004, you thought, gosh, what a run. Like that, that, that'll never happen again. And, you know, it's, it's over now, but you know, I mean, what a run that was that, that four years. Whew. And who would have ever thought that it would continue like it, like it has. So I haven't spoken with her recently. I, I, I almost, I, I don't, I don't want to. I mean, feel guilty. I, I, yeah, like I'm sorry I took the team from right. you. you know? Like, I that would have been really fun to be because I've had such great experiences, and I'm sure, um, you know, she's extremely thrilled with her life. I, I I surely hope so. But you know, I I got to have some incredible experiences that sure she would have been able to have, and um. I have a little bit of guilt. I mean, sure. I got lucky. I got lucky. That's awesome. Well, so so I started here in 1997, right right after the team was in Super Bowl 31, and then went 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 5 and 11. I thought I was uh, on the on the down train, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, it turned around, and it, it it truly has been. I mean, 17 straight seasons with 10 or more wins just snapped uh, with last week's loss to the Rams. Um, it's been an incredible run, and and so you you obviously have some behind the scenes viewpoints of it that even we don't have working here. I mean, what what would you say? Yeah. Uh, what would you say are some of those <clears throat> those moments where you would you you know you tell your kids about? Oh, I, I'm not allowed to tell my kids. I'm not allowed to tell anybody about the things I've seen. Are you kidding me? That's part of. That's why he's where he is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he wouldn't that's be welcome part... in this building if he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, that's part of um, working for NFL Films. You know, I, uh, uh, I I've spoken even with people at the Patriots who um, work there, including including you two, who say oh my gosh you were you, you were in that meeting you know you shot you, you filmed that meeting uh, you know we've never even seen that meeting you know we don't know what happens in that meeting or you know they watch hard knocks that i produce on a, on a yearly basis and they say god we've never seen that in on our team you know no one's allowed in those sort of situations and that's that's really a uh, it's a really fun part of being part of NFL films. And that's, it's part of our history is, you know, since 1962 to celebrate and preserve the history of the NFL and the trust that, that we have of that, um, that secrecy of, listen, we're going to not break the, mm-hmm. uh, the trust that's given when it comes to football secrets, um, you know, of course we're there to tell a story, but we're not going to reveal what play you're running and we're going to not show what your game plan is because that's all the coaches care about all this secrecy that you hear about and all the, it's all about competitive reasons. They're not worried about what they look like. These guys, these guys are impervious at this point to what, people think of them. Mm-hmm. And so I Kenny, mean, that, that forget it. <laughs> yeah. But that at the essence, and I think that that's what Patriot fans would find the most fascinating is at your core and at your company's core, your mission statement or your values that you have. It's a simple one word. It's trust with trust. It allows you to do some of the things and the projects that keep you going as somebody who was in Hollywood and wanted to make the next great Oscar winning film. Because of trust and because of your brand, you're allowed in rooms, in buildings, and in situations that you wouldn't be able to get in without that trust. Is that a fair statement to say? Absolutely. And, and it's not uh, – I think I've been an okay carrier of that trust, but the trust goes back to the Sable family. I mean, it really does go back to Steve. And I give uh, – the credit all goes to Steve, and, and I can tell you that when Coach Belichick – uh, was a young coach, um, you know, when when Robert Kraft was in the stands, uh, when Tom Brady was a kid, they knew of Steve Sable. They, they, they 
they trusted Steve Sable already as the voice of NFL history. Um, and, and then once they met them, met him, they, they trusted him even more. Um, you know, coach Belichick and Steve Sable used to sit together at owners meetings, you know, from the eighties forward and, and got to know each other. And of course you trust someone who has never broken that trust and had the trust going back of all coaches back to Vince Lombardi. I mean, you know, the, the, the stories of the people who have trusted Steve Sable go back to, to Lombardi and the, the first major film we made was on Vince Lombardi, where we have on film, you know, Vince lifting weights early in the morning and Vince going to church and, 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 you know, uh, him having meetings and parties at his house after a win, things that, that you'd never imagine we have. No, we shot that stuff. And when you say uh, to a coach, no, no, we have that with Lombardi. They say, Oh, well, I, I guess, I guess if he trusted you, then I can trust you. And it, it, it has a, has an effect that, Hey, we're not going to let the other coaches watch your, your X's and O's. And uh, that's because we are part of the NFL. And when, if the trust wasn't there, that competitive balance is going to stay equal, we would never be allowed in anywhere. Because as I said, that they don't care what you think of them as people. They just, they don't want the other coaches to know one single diagram on the, on the board, on the whiteboard that they, they, that is, that is sacrosanct to coaches. So is the, is the actual football. The other thing that you're dealing with here, Ken is now maybe less so in 2000 when you started, but certainly over the last 10 or 15 years is we're an instant gratification society. And so whatever it is that you have and you've got nothing but some of the greatest stuff ever is we've got to get this out there. We've got to put this out there. We've got to deliver this. We've got to put it on a platform. We need to broadcast this, whatever it is. And the fact that you are able to say to coaches, owners, whatever it is, you know what? We need this because at some point in time that story is going to need to be told. And you can trust Mm -hmm. us that this is going to stay in our vault and it won't come out until the appropriate time or when you say it. Like, that's a huge deal that goes against the grain of what content people want today now, which is instant clicks, instant gratification, give it to me now, short attention span. They don't have the wherewithal to think about, hey, this might be valuable five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. And that's a big part of what you guys do, isn't it? It is. I mean, uh, everyone points to the example now of of the last dance. Um, and, and how that footage yeah. was captured at Great the time example. and was, was used decades later. Um, that's sort of what I planned on doing in 2009 when I uh, followed the team and, and in particular Coach Belichick when he became the first coach in NFL history to wear a wire for every single game during an entire season and then you know, I was there uh, in Foxborough for most of the season shooting meetings and behind the scenes, you know, every, pretty much every day that season. Um, the, the, the pitch there was it was the 50th season of the Patriots. Um, and really the pitch was to, to Mr. Kraft, um, who was the person to, to bless the, the project that history is important not just for the national football league, because we, we want to preserve our history, but for the Patriots uh, to preserve history. And obviously at that point in 2009, Brady and Belichick and, and this team were already going down in the history books. Let's capture how this team works. Let's capture how this coach works and, the pitch was we'll capture it and I have no idea what we're going to do with it. I don't know what it's for, you know, well, well, where's it going to air? I have no idea. And so I spent an entire season filming a, a project with no idea what would happen with it. Um, and it was crushing for me, you know, the loss to the Ravens and in, in the playoffs, I, I literally 
had so much invested in this team and this project. I, I, I mean, I cried on the field. I remember uh, talking to you when you were driving away that day and how yeah. devastated you oh. were because you, you're sitting there going, I've got this, and now I don't have an ending. I don't know what we're going to do. And just the pain in your voice, I remember you calling me and how upset you were. I mean, yeah. imagine Ray, Ray Rice on, went 82 yards on the first play. From exactly. <laughs> imagine sitting on that treasure trove at that point in time. But that's what makes you great. And that company great, Ken, is yeah. you figured it out. Yeah. And then two years later, we, we at, at the NFL decided we're going to launch this new show, A Football Life. And it, it was thought, you know, you know, what would be a way to launch this show? and make it special is to is to make a two-part premiere the very first episode of this new series of football life which is now you know just a a stalwart of of nfl uh, network programming about coach belichick and that 09 season and it's two seasons later but who really cares because this isn't about the 2009 season this is about coach belichick and who he is and I mean, it turned out to be, I think, extremely intriguing for anyone who is remotely interested in football to see how the very best do their job. All right. And, so I'm going to give you. I'm going to. I'm going to ask you a question here. Amongst yep. Patriot honks. So that's a. It's a little bit of a niche category here. <laughs> I have an opinion on this. Fairly. I mean, it's not research. There's no data behind it. What's the scene of the two films that people come back to more and more from, a, from an instance where they remember it and 11, 12 years down the road they point to and they look at Bill and they go, do you remember that scene from A Football Life? And they reference it. I can tell you what I know, what my opinion is. I have football, two from A Football, football Life. But I want to know if, yeah. what your opinion is of it, Ken, as the um, director of those. Geez, I'm sure there's different ones for different situations. Um, I know the, um, I, I mean, I, I get comments on not being able to fix, not being able to set the time on his radio. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. Uh, no, that wasn't people go, mine. People go nuts for that because they're like, yeah, he's such a genius, but he can't set the time on his, on his car radio. And to me, that was something that uh, I knew when I captured it was going to be in the film because I thought, I mean, it's like you see in the uh, magazines, stars are just like us, right? Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, this is, I knew that coach is, is just a regular guy. Who's a genius at football. I, he, I, he's proven a hundred different ways that he's just a regular guy, but I've been around it a lot this was just this real quick slice that was so clear to show, okay, here, he's fallible, he's human, and he's okay with it. Like, he's not who you think he is. He's more nuanced. There is no black and white in life. Stop trying to make everything black and white. And to me, that's what's fascinating about filmmaking is being able to blow up the black and white and and show someone to be as complicated as we all are. And I love that scene. Well, my, my two from, from the film are, as someone who covered the team, right, you very rarely get a glance as to Bill's actual opinion on something. So it would be what, one on the sideline with Brady in New Orleans when he says, I can't get this team to play the way it needs to play. I see you shaking your head. And Does two, that mean that you agree with him, Kenny? Uh, I hear that brought up. Okay. Um, well, and the oh. second one is in a, just a, co a staff meeting when he says, if they take away Moss and Welker, we're screwed or something to that effect. And yep. you're like, see, he does know. <laughs> of course he knows. He just doesn't tell us. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I those two are brought up all the time by critics of of the team. When things are going bad – I hear those as proof that things can go wrong in New England. Like, ah, well, remember when 
he did the same thing in 09 when things were going bad. It's the same thing as 09. You know, that it, it, it's always used as, in my mind, as a way to prove that fallibility in a gotcha way, in a, in a coaching way. Like, hmm. see, he's not a genius. I never thought um, about it like that. <laughs> but I mean, Kenny, yeah, like, how about this? I, how about I this hear thing? that is not a, that's usually not done in a, uh, that's an interesting thing. That's usually done in a. He's a. He, you know. Derogatory. Yeah. He. he See now he that never occurred to me. Figured out. Yeah, yeah, but how about this, though, Ken? Okay, as a kid for, uh, who was in L.A. going to film school and wanted to direct the next great feature film, you have your own. Um, he's sleeping with the fishes. It's just a different line. It's I couldn't get him to play that way, and if you take Mo- a Welker and Moss away, we're screwed. I mean. The fact that there are people in New England who can recount those scenes and speak about those things and recite it chapter and verse, there's an impact that you made on a lot of people with those things. It's crazy. Uh, look, it's crazy. You, another another big one from another project you guys just featured again, which is the legendary Pink Stripes. You know, it, it is. Um, I have a question for you because I, I, um, I remember talking to Steve Sable back in probably 05. And he said to me, I was writing a feature story about the Patriots' success and and just for our yearbook, actually. And he Uh said to me, Paul Brown brought the classroom to football. Bill Belichick brought the corporate boardroom to football. Is that something that you would agree with and maybe have experienced from your perspective? That's that's a great point because the modern NFL – head coach requires a leadership style that goes so far beyond coaching. Um, And I think that's why a lot of really great coaches can not succeed as a head coach. Being a head coach these days is being, I I mean, it's being – a CEO. A CEO. A CEO. Yeah. It's being it's being the the president of a company, uh, of a ship, that is 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 operating on so many different levels outside of the football field, um, with so many uh, departments interconnected in ways that one person has to manage so that all people are rowing the same direction that if you are an expert at one thing, uh, but don't know how to manage people and, and manage the structure and organization of people, it won't matter how good of a football guy you are. Um, and that's where coach as, as a thinker has brought the boardroom um, and to his credit, where Robert Kraft and, and the Kraft family have given Coach Belichick the the support and structure to put into place the the structures that he needs to run the the football operations the way he needs, because it, it it's completely different than it was even ten years before. Coach Belichick took over. Um, things have become. I mean, this is this is no longer a sport, right? This is a business. It is this a business. is. It is. I mean, it is long past a pastime where you sort of enjoy playing football on Sunday. Um, it's about winning, and it's about the winning is about multiple things past just winning. It's it, you're thinking about winning today. You're thinking about winning tomorrow and on Sunday and in the draft and in the future and five years from now. I mean, it is, everything is happening all at once. And uh, that's very corporate. Like instead of, I think maybe in the eighties, it was okay. What are we going to do next week? And that's as far as you thought. Kenny, was there a time uh, when you met coach Belichick where that, Oh my goodness, this is the CEO. Now I see this. Do you remember an incident where that became crystal clear to you? 
Yeah, I remember when we were trying to set up the shoot in Nantucket for what became the football life. We were trying to figure out when I would go out to Nantucket. Um, and he knew what day I should come out. Um, it, it was in July um, that I should come out. And he told me that day in, I think, March or April. And I said, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, whenever. He said, no, it's going to be that day. I said, you know the day already? And he said, Ken, every year is structured the same way. If you give me the day and the time, of any day in a calendar year, I can tell you what I will be doing because football has that calendar structure. And I have days off that I don't know what I'll be doing where I'm away from football, but I know in general that I'll be doing scouting where I'll be on Nantucket and available to do things. But if you say it's a September Tuesday at three o'clock, I know what I'm doing at three o'clock on a September Tuesday. If you say it's a March Thursday at 6 p.m., I can tell you what I'm doing on that <laughs> Thursday at 6 p.m. And I realized, wow, that's a level of organization that I've never heard anyone have in their life. <laughs> that's unbelievable. So I have another I have another line for you, and I'm going to that. that that actually comes from, I think it was just a sound effects uh, feature on Coach Belichick, and it's him on the practice field, and he's talking to Marquise Hill about jumping off sides on the goal line. So he's sitting there, and he says to Marquise Hill, you know, if they jump off sides, you know, what's the penalty? And Marquise looks at him like he doesn't get, like he's, like it's a trick question. And he says, it's about an inch. He goes, but if you jump off sides, it's five yards, and they're off the goal line. So fast forward, I'm in the stands at Super Bowl 49. And Malcolm Butler makes the interception and falls forward out of the end zone. And I see Bill and Tom talking. And I said, because of that line from, that he said to Marquis Hill, I said, they're going to get him to jump here. That's, the, they're gonna, that's what they're talking about right now. They're going to get the defense to jump. And lo and behold, they hard count him and, and they're off the goal line. <laughs> and I remember it because, exactly of, because right. of films. Yeah. No, I mean, there, everyone says – about do your job as being the you know the catchphrase but there are so many and and situations is something that comes up over and over and over um in his training camp wires i mean that, that's training for situations instead of um what what they want to do um mm -hmm. it has redefined in my mind the nfl um i think before the success of the Patriots, uh, I think it's kind of obvious, but be before the success of the Patriots, um, and still today, some teams say, hey, we're going to be great at what we do and make the other team stop us. And of course, the Patriots say, we're going to be able to do everything and adapt to whatever we have to do to win. And some teams say, well, this is our style of football, and we're going to win or lose playing this way. Um, and the and and the Patriots are just adaptable um, all the time, and I think um, you know the way foot the way the NFL is that is the uh, copycat um, league. I think uh, it's obviously spread throughout the league, and and I think it'll continue to spread because the game has gotten a lot more complicated because people have been trying to keep up with Coach Belichick and the Patriot way. Now, Ken, one of the other things that I think Bill sort of changed the game a little bit was the salary cap. When, when he got here, it was kind of that 49ers-Cowboys model where you, the, even the Ravens in 2000, um, the Jaguars made a run where they, you know, they build it up, build it up, and then all of a sudden you're going to be $35 million over the cap, and so you have to cut it down. And so you sign all these star players – knowing that in three years they're all going to be gone because you're going to have to cut them because of salary cap reasons. And Bill kind of changed that, I felt like. Um, 
you know, I remember him using the, the term middle class. We have to bring a middle class to the roster and build depth, you know, so you can maintain success through injuries and that sort of thing. Do you feel like, you know, kind of the Patriot way also changed the way teams look at the salary cap? I think it, I think so. I think the it, it almost brought it back to to the way it was. I, I think maybe with the Giants, you know, the Giants had um, you know a, a bunch of solid players. That I think that he got to work with as a, as a coordinator, and uh, and those players stayed there. Mm-hmm. You know, he built he was he him Coach Parcells were able to build around those players. And, uh, and win multiple championships. Um, I think that the the go, not going all in for one championship um, w- was definitely a sea change. And then the additional sea change on top of that of 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 not just going for one championship but multiple was going not just for one decade or one rip of championships, but going for an infinite amount of time of being able to do this, uh, of making it a culture rather than that first three years. Um, because I think at first everybody thought, wow, what that was really brilliant what he did those that, that first couple of years with the salary cap um, to read, to remake that team in 2000 into the team that won three Super Bowls that he redefined what you do with the salary cap, but then to do it again for the, for the, the end of the odds for the 2007 team and, and reinvent the team over and over and over again, the 11 team, the, you know, then to win three more Super Bowls after that, go to another one it it just kept going and i think will continue to keep going in a way that i don't know how if you're any other franchise you don't say i don't care what we were doing we're going to do it this way It, it it has totally redefined how you approach um spending and and how you go about it now it has to be paired with an owner who supports and gets it and understands it and it has to be paired with with good coaching um and those two things uh, uh, are present in new england and and i think other teams some of them will succeed at copying it and some will not you mentioned other franchises ken and you know i think uh i'm i'm speaking for myself here you're you have such a deep association with the patriots but it's not like I'm the only one who knows that. There's everybody in the league knows that. You're you're at owners' meetings in March every single year. You're pitching teams. Hey, we want you guys to do hard knocks, or you're pitching other projects and everything like that. Have you run into situations with other clubs where your association with the Patriots, your closeness to Bill, the the ability that you've had to get Bill to do other things, where there's a eyebrow raised when you're asking to do different projects, or is the door, wow, if he can get Belichick to do this or if he was able to do those kinds of things with the Patriots, then we want him to work with our team as well. We would like him to tell our story because he was able to do it with the Patriots. Well, it's funny. The it, Here's the answer. The perception is that the, the Patriots will do nothing with NFL films. So the first thing that I'm always told – when I pitch an access project, Hard Knocks, which I've been doing for 12 years now, or anyone or any other sort of access project is, huh, why don't you ask Belichick to do it? Why don't you, yeah, when Belichick <laughs> does it, I'll do it. And, and I say, well, he, he was the first coach to wear a wire for every single game of an entire season. If you'd like to do that, we'll do that instead of, hard knocks four weeks in, in the middle <laughs> in the middle of August when the games don't count. Like it, I mean, if you'd like to commit to an entire season where the games really matter, we'll do that. Or you could just let us come in for the preseason for hard knocks. 
and they sort of realized that yeah, coach has done more. Coach Belichick has done more and given more access to the National Football League than any coach has, uh, certainly from NFL film standpoint. Um, and he's the best coach that we've ever covered. Um, so those two things combined make him, you know, our he's our leading man. He's our Robert De Niro in, in Godfather. I mean, it, it's it'd be one thing if we got a little bit with the greatest coach or we got a lot with a bad coach, but we got a lot with the greatest coach. I mean, it's, it's the, it's incredible what he's provided to the national football league archives. And there's so much that hasn't been seen and, and used and will be used in the future, like the Michael Jordan last dance sort of scenario um, and, and stuff we're still capturing that, um, you know, not on a, on an every week basis, but, you know, there's just so much that we capture just in the natural progression of things that um, no one has to wonder if coach Belichick is, is participating. So once I say that they, they lose that argument real quickly. <laughs> so there's and, your rice breaker. Right? And, and, and then they, they lose all power then. Then they say, well, uh, well, I don't, and you go, what? Oh, well, well now, you know, you know, coach Belichick will do it. Why, 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 why won't you do it? Well, 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 and now, now they're searching for another excuse. Cause it's, it's, it's usually pretty easy to just say, well, I'm just going to be like coach Belichick. Oh, if you want to be like coach Belichick, then why don't you wear a wire all season? Perception versus reality, right? Oh, there's a huge difference between the two. Ken, what was, if you're allowed, uh, just kind of putting a, a period to the end of 2009 in that project, was there a scene, was there a moment in 2009 that you're allowed to share where, you know, it was only two hours? Uh, I think that it was only two hours. You know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but was there a it scene was. in there that you were dying to get in that at the end of the day you just couldn't find a way to get it in? You know, while I'm thinking about the perception versus reality, this is this is a huge one, is that I, I feel like, you know, we were able in that film to give a real inside look into the to the true Bill Belichick. Um, but I always wished I could had I could have had a sequence in the film that compared the real coach Belichick and what was going on on a daily basis to what people thought was going on. And what I heard on talk radio coming into the stadium every morning, <laughs> because because I really thought there was a there was a really interesting story as a filmmaker between reality and perception and opinion and fact. And I, I, I would drive in and I would I would be hearing things presented as fact, you know, you know, Coach Belichick's doing this because of you know, this. He's trying to send this message that this. Right. And I would say, well, I I filmed that yesterday, and that's not what he said at all. <laughs> what? Who? Does this person? I don't understand what this person's saying. I was in the room. That's not it at all. Uh, and it was presented as as here's what happened, and it it was. Actually, I'm just spitballing here and making it up, but here's here's maybe what happened. It's, it's just an opinion, but it was presented as fact. And I always wanted to, to go back and just get all of the all of those radio clips, play them and then present what actually happened, then play them and present what actually happened and sort of show the difference <laughs> to the fans of like, hey, here's the difference. Uh, you know, and maybe here's why coach is the way he is sometimes of, you know, I don't, I'm not really going to going to engage in, in this back and forth because it doesn't really matter what I say. Um, and there were so many times I felt like saying to coach, Hey, what, what, when they asked the question, why don't you just say, well, you're wrong. 
the, the what, what I really meant was this and this and this and this. Uh, but he, I don't think he, he, he's so advanced. I think <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but he's almost like another step in the evolution of, um, of a, of a, I don't know, of a psyche. Like I, here, here's how I see it. I care about what people think of me. You know, I'm trying to speak well right now, talking with you guys. I'm trying to present myself well and, you know, speak clearly. And because I, I, I care about what people think of me and, and I'm making sure not to say anything controversial or wrong. And you, you that's what you do in public. <laughs> um, coach. Except for one. Coach really honestly is beyond other people's opinion. And he's had, I saw that year opportunities where I knew that the, he had the, an opportunity to answer a question in a press conference that would completely get rid of a talking point that everyone was having that was completely wrong. If he just said, well, actually I wasn't doing that. I was doing, I wasn't doing X. I was doing Y, but he didn't want to give away Y. So he just allowed them to continue to be wrong and didn't correct them and didn't care that people were talking about him negatively incorrectly. Ken, do you think he could, th- that would kill me? That would kill. I would, I would say you're wrong. I'm right. You're, I'm not a bad guy, guys. I'm not a bad. He was, he was like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't but, matter. But do you think that feeds his fire a little bit inside the building with his players? Like, cause they know what's going on. So when, if they turn that radio on and hear stuff that's being said, that isn't true, it kind of, he can kind of use that as a rallying point within the building. It's like a, I mean, it's, it's like a, a Jedi thing where he's so strong of will that uh, like it, it made me want to follow him into battle. Like, look, I I don't know how you can be that strong of a person to, to, I mean, if you go to any sort of therapy or therapist or, or read any self help book, like the very basics of trying to be healthy is being happy with yourself mm. and not caring what society thinks or other people think. I mean, that's, that's sort of where you start, right? He is, he, he is a master at that. He's so advanced that that's what I mean. He, he's almost the next step in evolutionary chain in that mm. he, he, he doesn't try to do that. He doesn't, meditate to do that he just has that as part of his personality he just does he he cares about people and he wants to help people he's very very incredibly nice to me and wants to help me do my films but i think if i had an opinion that was wrong about him he he wouldn't care to to change that he he's okay with who he is he's perfectly confident that he is who he is and if someone thinks differently about him well that's not going to change what he does so why spend the energy it's it's an efficiency to spend the energy where it matters um and it's it really i think we'd be a better society if we all acted like him no question absolutely so really so let me ask you this as somebody he doesn't i i agree with everything that you're saying this year has been a different year for obvious mm-hmm. reasons um, from mm-hmm. a success standpoint. And at the end of the day, you mentioned it is a business. And the wins and losses can't be where he wants it to be. And while in Bill You Trust, I still believe, is one of the state's mottos, um, and I believe that there is a majority of people that feel that way, he's taking criticism that he hasn't taken in 20 years uh, because of the on-field product and what's going on as far as the record is concerned. Do you believe, not the noise, because he doesn't care about the noise, but do you think the on-field record concerns him and as that is how he is judged maybe by peers or himself for that matter, does that bother him and do you think that that will drive him going forward? I would guess, well, I know losing 
is not something that's enjoyable at all to him. Like most coaches, uh, I would say all the great coaches, losing hurts a hundred times more than winning feels good. The, the pain you feel from losing is always more vivid than the joy you feel from winning. It just is for those guys. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would think that this year is not motivating because of what people think. Like you said, I mean, asking him about critics is like asking a lamppost what he thinks, what it thinks about dogs. Right. No, it's just not going (laughs) to register. But if, if you ask if it bothers him, uh, the win loss record, I'm sure uh, like forget what other people think. He doesn't like losing. Right. And I'm sure he's as dedicated. He's more dedicated than any fan or any critic or anyone else involved in the entire new England Patriot world on getting it fixed. <laughs> like no one's, no one's more invested in getting it fixed. I can tell you that, right. you know, like, so yeah, I'm sure he's very bothered. And, uh, but what he does is not worry about, I'm, I, I'm only speculating cause I don't know what he does, but my guess is he's not focusing on what's happening. He's focusing on the work that is needed to fix it. Process. Right. He's what's, always, yes. he's always about, well, that's all great, but I can spend the next 15 minutes lamenting what's what happened last week where i can spend the next 15 minutes making next week better right and today right now better and our team right now better and that and should give always focuses on now right and, and 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 moving forward and that should give every patriot fan um a reason for hope because he won't sleep or he won't be satisfied until it, the that is corrected um, I think uh, one of the other things, Kenny, is that people, uh, you know, oh, okay, Hard Knocks, Ken Rogers, oh, all the Patriots projects, two bills, you know, uh, football life. Um, you do other things. You know, you do a lot of other things uh, that have been very critically acclaimed, the 1983 draft film, uh, the Deion Sanders film. I want you to uh, take a minute here to let people know the project that you're working on now and give it a plug because I think you are gift- gifted is not the right word. You've earned the right to premiere some pretty impressive projects like the two Bills around Super Bowl week. And that's a great place for football fans who love football to see some really quality work. Please let everybody know what's the project that you're working on now. Well, um, it's an unannounced um, 30 for 30. Uh, I'll actually be directing my fifth 30 for 30 that will be coming out uh, soon, which uh, is an unbelievable thought to me that uh, that I'd be able to direct five 30 for 30s. Um, Certainly the premier, um, you know, brand when it comes to to sports documentaries, something that that NFL films is um, so thrilled to be part of. Um, And um, it was really it was really great to to have the two bills be part of it. Still my favorite one, I have to say. Um, and I think this one, why? Uh, hmm. To me, it was the, the realest thing I've ever done. The two bills in that the goal of a filmmaker is to, or at least me as a documentary filmmaker is to express the reality of a situation. You know, that's, I try to express in football life, what, um, you know, what coach Belichick is like on a daily basis to express what the, um, Buffalo bills, uh, of the early nineties go through having lost four Super Bowls, et cetera, et cetera, to express the relationship between Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick is one of those things that, as I said, is so nuanced and complicated and and it's not black and white that I thought 
I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Then when they came and sat down, there was so much odd, true, nuanced energy in the room between them. There was, there was discomfort. There was love. There was tension. There, the way they looked at each other, there was all kinds of, I'm not sure if we're going to fight it during this conversation. I, I, look, I really like you, but I know we're going to be coming up on some, some tough conversations. I, I might cry. I might yell at you. I don't know what's going on. And it was so complicated and you could feel it in the room. And at the end of the day, when we, um, we all left exhausted emotionally, our crew, like, Oh my God, like, did you, you could hardly breathe in that room. You didn't know what was going to happen. And by just showing them on screen, looking at each other, using the split screen device to just let them look at each other sometimes and just let, let the film exist as that interview just sometimes just living in that awkwardness i think you sensed it a lot and there's there's sort of a moment that i that i left in where the for for most of the film um they're sort of they're sort of talking as as two i don't know not necessarily rivals but you know they're co-workers they 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 have good feelings and then you know they they express some love and emotion for each other and then i take them up to the giant suite and everything's good and i ask them to go to the jets locker room and they they rebel against me and it was at that moment that they joined forces and they 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 were like yeah we're not doing that yeah and and they walked off and and left the building together even though they they arrived separately they they left together and turned on me not in a very friendly way, but they were giving me grief. Like, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not listening to you. It was, it was like seeing a reunion in person um, uh, and seeing a, it was like seeing a marriage therapy, a marriage counseling session in person. <laughs> and to be able to show that through the course of a film, it felt the, 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 it just felt the realest, portrayal of a true complicated relationship that I think I'll ever capture on film. Unbelievable answer. And I will just add this anecdote for whatever it's worth. As I remember, Kenny, you were sit, standing outside of my office while this was going on. And I remember you were, you were concerned. You were frustrated. We were talking about this and there was an unease, an uneasiness about you and you know, what is this going to do? And did I get this right? And did I do this? And I remember saying to you, I said, Ken, you've got Bill Belichick and Bill Parcell sitting next to you, every, sitting in front of you, in front of a camera. Everything's going to be all right. Right? And yeah, as usual, end, you're, you're No, no, right. no. But at, but at the end of the day, you beat yourself up because you want to make the perfect film. And maybe it wasn't at 110% perfect, but it was pretty damn close. And then to hear you explain that one little thing about no we're not going to go into the jets no we're not going into the jets locker room that that was your takeaway and that's what you feel that that gave you satisfaction you know that moment that's what makes you great man that's what makes you great it's just it like was, the coaches you hate great. to lose uh it, <laughs> I, it when they started joking with me and and busting busting on me that they weren't going to listen to me and where's where's the elevator we're out of here I knew, well, A, I knew the shoot was over, but B, <laughs> but B, I thought they are really happy with what just happened. They're, 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 get, they're, they're almost giddy. You know, that's the way Parcells and coach Belichick are is if they're, if they're giving you some grief in that way, they like you. And in that case, I felt like, they liked what just happened. They, they enjoyed being together. They enjoyed this this process. And I was like, I'm getting this on camera that, that, that you can just sense that they're they're enjoying walking together out of this room. And they're, they're ready to call this interview over because they're in a really good spot together. And I was, uh, it, it just, 
it was beautiful to me and and i, I just that's knew awesome. like well that's the end of the film i don't need any more this is awesome. it that's it awesome. awesome i'll tell you what he's had maybe one of the best seats to this dynastic run over the last 20 years that anybody could possibly imagine and to think that it all happened because of opening a bathroom door and being in the right place at the right time um <laughs> I apologize on the promotional front, but I will tell Patriot fans um, who should be Ken Rogers fans that my guess is, and I don't know what it is, Ken will have a film sometime Super Bowl week that will knock your socks off, like Deion Sanders, like the Buffalo Bills uh, film. They're great films. He's great at what he does. Kenny, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to talk with us today. All the best, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to talk with both of you. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.